Welcome to the Craft of Shadows podcast, based on the novel The Jewel of Nineveh by Dewish Basiti. Discover new content and subscribe to receive updates at craftofshadows.com. Now, on with the show. Chapter 13. Racked. The thief grappled against his chains as he was dragged up the winding stairwell inside God's finger. When he stumbled, the guards both still dragged him forward by the chains attached to his shackled collar and his head smacked against a raw stone step. He struggled to his feet, hampered by the ankle chains, striking his knee and wincing at the impact. He felt the warm trickle of blood running down from the gash on his temple that the edge of the stair had left and squinted his eye to stop it filling with blood. One of the guards looked back at him and laughed, then yanked the chain, sending Manu crashing onto his knee again. The same knee, more pain, then dull throbbing as he tried to will it away. The thief stood up and picked up his pace, trying to keep some slack in the arm chains, while the chain between heavy manacles on his ankles caught on the edge of the stair every single step. The collar was tight, and he felt the roughly finished iron rasp at his throat each time he breathed. The blood from his temple had trickled down his cheek and he could taste the salty metallic tang from the corner of his mouth. The stairs turned round and round and they rose high above the city, the paired shoulders of his abductors nearly spanning the narrow staircase and all but blocking any view ahead. Lamps were hung at regular intervals their sooty pools of light counting the ascent. Almost dark, he waded through another pool, then through the darkness again, he stumbled out into daylight. His captor stopped drawing on his chains as they negotiated with the green-turbaned occupants of a guardhouse that protected the entrance to the Sultan's palace. One city guard thumbed in the direction of the gasping thief bent forward as he struggled for breath. This one's for the vizier alone, wants him taken to the playroom straight away. Special instructions. The soldier on either side of the iron gate shared a laugh, and the gate swung open. The thieves' chains once again tugged taut, and he was dragged forward. He stumbled through the guardhouse, Some armoured men sat about, whetting their blades. A few of their heads rose to follow his progress, then fell back to their work as he passed. Just another luckless commoner, brought to justice for some menial crime. They moved from the guardhouse into an open exercise yard, sunlight streaming down on sweating men in scarlet tunics grappling as they practiced their combat routines, feet skidding on the sandy floor. The view over the edge in daylight 
the clear blue sky going on forever, and Manu thought of the first time he had seen the sea. He was led on through doorway on the other side of the exercise yard and through a corridor, then out into a simple kitchen garden, willow sticks twisted to make frames for fruit and vegetable plants to wind around. A sharp intake of breath as his gaze met that of the jewel. Her beauty was even greater than he remembered in the candlelight. She was standing by a berry bush, collecting fruit in a basket by her side. Two red-shirted guards of the 1,000 stood a discreet distance behind her, and their hands went to the hilts of their swords as Manu was yanked through the garden. He took in her expression, her open mouth and wide eyes, as she stared at the chains that bound him and the blood-matted hair smeared down the side of his face. Her cheeks flushed, she swayed and dropped slowly to her knees. What's she thinking? That I'm handsome or dangerous or both? The thief was dragged past without stopping and he tore his gaze away. Her face etched in his mind as he staggered forward, up a few steps and through more elegant halls, then through narrow corridors with plain flagstone floors. They stopped by a door as two sweating servants, one grasping ankles and the other the wrists, carried out the corpse of a man, white eyes frozen open along with the rictus of pain on his face. The body bore so many wounds, it was impossible to say which one had finished him off. Their way clear, Manu's captors dragged him down the corridor, still trickling blood on the floor. The walls of the room they entered were of plain, undressed stone, lacking the plastering or mosaics of the rest of the palace. There were heavy pieces of monstrous equipment arrayed around the room a wooden chair the size of a throne, but with iron straps to restrain arms and legs and neck. The seat and backrest were spiked and the wood was sprayed with dark stains. Beside it, a stretching rack, a pillory with a coiled whip at its base. Chain manacles were attached to the walls. Fresh blood splattered the floor and the room reeked of stale body fluids. At the far end, in front of a wall stacked nearly to the roof with a carefully arranged collection of human skulls, stood a tall man with a sharply pointed beard, finely patterned silk robes hanging loosely from his gaunt frame. He was sipping a cup of tea, his little finger arched, and the sleeves of his suit were drenched through with blood. Spurts had stained the front of his tunic. Ah, welcome. So this is a young man I've been so excited to meet. Kneel before me and let me examine you. The city guards yanked down on his neck chains, but Manu struggled against them, the tendons in his neck snapping taut as he drove up with his legs, thighs quivering with the effort. 
one of the guards hit him on the back of his neck with the pommel of his dagger, and the thief collapsed, face first, on the floor. Close enough. Arshan, the Grand Vizier, knelt beside the thief and tugged on a neck chain to turn the face to him. Manu spluttered as he fought to keep conscious. Black flashes in his vision and a sick ringing of nausea in his head. This is the one? He doesn't seem that impressive to me. Heave him up, boys, and put him on the rack. The guards hauled Manu to his feet and threw him onto the rack. He thrashed as they strapped his arms above his head and then his ankles to the frame. Arshan watched every detail, his head tilting back and forth as he supervised the correct application of the fastenings. With a satisfied snort, he waved off the guards and handed his teacup to one. Wait outside. I'll call if I have need of you. Leave me alone to enjoy my plaything. The guards sneered at the thief and closed the door behind them. Arshan paced slowly around the rack, examining Manu minutely. Several minutes passed and the thief slowly relaxed his shoulders. Arshan darted forward and spun the wheel a complete rotation. The rack stretched out two inches and Manu roared in pain, fingers and toes clutching at the air, seeking purchase on anything to stop the drawing as fire tore through his joints. A screamer! Arshan tapped his fingertips together in front of his toothy smile. I do love when I'm showing a proper appreciation. This will be marvellous fun. He resumed pacing around the thief's straining body. The fire of the stretch dulled in Manu's limbs to become a hissing white hot searing through his flesh. Arshan started to frown, then with a roar grabbed hold of the wheel again. Are you finally ready to speak yet? Or do you want me to tear you in two? Manu's words were hoarse and broken. You haven't asked me anything yet. Arshan froze and frowned with his head tilted to one side. Are you sure? I thought I asked you before I turned the rack the first time. Manu coughed, his tongue thick and dry in his mouth. I, I think I definitely have remembered. Arshan stroked his beard and screwed up one eye to stare at Manu. How odd. Oh well. One interrogation tends to run into the next. I did remember to kill that last fellow, didn't I? He looked like you'd killed him several times over. Good. Arshan rocked back on his heels and resumed tapping the tips of his fingers together. So that leaves me with you. I'm honoured. You broke into the Sultan's palace, a most ambitious escapade, which you seem to have executed with ease. I'm not interested in how you managed it. What I do want to know is, 
What business did you have with a jewel? Manu's breathing was ragged and strained as sweat rolled down his face. His tunic stuck darkly to his chest. He stiffly turned his head to look at the Grand Vizier. I thought there was a treasure. Gems. I wanted treasure. Arshan bounced forward again and applied the slightest pressure against the rack wheel. Manu's eyes bulged and spittle flecked his lips as the strain caused his sinews to crack. You are not a spy for Nineveh? You did not have some message for the jewel? Manu's head thrashed back and forth as he struggled to bear the agony. I, I just wanted to steal. Arshan lessened the tension of the rack with a quarter turn of the wheel. Not a spy then. Pity. The Grand Vizier walked slowly around the rack as Manu's chest heaved as he fought to draw clean breaths. Presumably you got your jewels then. Stole them from the girl. But a man like you? Well, I'm sure you don't plan into the future. You must have spent it all by now. Cheap drinks and powders and painted ladies. You were very capable entering the Sultan's palace like that. Penetrating his most highly guarded locations. You went through his royal elite guard like a breeze. Imagine that. A breeze. Manu's breathing slowed as the pain subsided, ripples expanding on a quiet water. His mind was his to control. The pain was external. He couldn't move his arms or legs stretched as they were. But he glimpsed the Grand Vizier circling him, detached and aloof, staring into the distance. One might even suppose that breeze could blow right past the elite guards and into the sultan's chamber. He grabbed Manu by the ear, twisting his face to him and grinning maniacally at the thief. Does that sound like something you could do? Given the right encouragement, of course. Manu swallowed as he considered his words carefully. The vizier was plainly mad. Powerful men were dangerous enough, and Manu had made it his business to stay as far away from them as he could manage. Now he had a powerful and clearly very mad man taking an extreme interest in him. I uh, suppose it seems doable. Listen to me very carefully, thief. You are currently an extremely disposable commodity. You have no friends and are alone in a strange city. I hear even the Thieves Guild has cast you out and are intent on hunting you down. I've been a bit unlucky, that's true. His joints burned, but he tried to keep his voice level. Ah, yes. Luck is such a fickle mistress. 
Would you not have a more reliable master? I assure you that I reward those that serve me very richly. A position for you, what would it be? Perhaps elevate you to king of the thieves? A few words from me and your opposition would be removed. I could supply a lucrative stream of contacts for you. Objects repatriated and people disposed of, you'd be rich and powerful. Manu's glare narrowed on the Grand Vizier. So it was you bought the contract. He coughed dry and tight. I'm listening. Of course you are. Let me tell you a few secrets and understand that if I do not discover that I have complete confidence in you to keep those secrets, you will leave this room in separate pieces, the division of which will have taken many days of the most exquisite torment. Manu nodded, the collar chaffing at his throat. A tale first. Imagine, if you will, a proud sultan with a stupid young son and a brilliant tutor for the boy, seeing his advancement inextricably linked to his charge. The same tutor arranging for the old sultan to be secretly administered a poison, and with the passing of days, the sultan growing weaker and then dying. Picture, if you will, the stupid young boy being elevated to the position of the new sultan to succeed his much-lamented father, casting around for guidance and trusting only to his childhood tutor to protect him against the machinations of a devious and self-serving court. Some years later, the tutor now firmly ensconced as Grand Vizier, imagines sufficient control of his authority as in place, and that subject to a dramatic and politically tumultuous end to the young sultan, he may seize power and rule absolutely. A fine tale, worthy of song, the thief considered his own extensive experience with poison both as applicator and as recipient. The vizier's smile widened. Isn't it marvellous? So here we stand. My proposal is that you walk free from here, but prepare for the day I send for you. At that point, you will enter the palace, elude the elite royal guard, whose loyalty I cannot acquire for gold or the threat of violence, and eliminate the sultan. You'll be free to make your escape, and the murder will be framed upon a politically expedient target. Your grace, that is indeed a generous offer. Manu's mind was racing as escape routes whirled through his mind. Furthermore, your task complete, and my place on the throne assured, I will ensure your own ascension to the throne of thieves, and between us we will rule this city above and below.
Manu considered this turn of events in silence. As alternatives go, he thought, it is a rather enticing one. Although I do have a score to settle with that dog, Simak. Given what happened with the ambassador of Nineveh, I understand that you'd already placed someone in that position. Arshin inclined his head in assent. True, but I can see when a more able candidate presents himself and would find the replacement commendable. To that regard, my compliments on the assassination, it was well done and suitably gruesome, and even now Nineveh must be preparing for war. Arshan slackened the wheel by one notch. Manu groaned, his eyelids fluttered closed, and he bowed his head as far as his collar allowed. I'm humbled, Your Grace. You do me such an honour. I swear I'll exceed your every expectation. The Grand Vizier observed him through slitted eyelids in silence for a long minute, and Manu felt a fleeting pity for mice. It occurs to me you may simply run for your life, quitting the city the instant you are released. To claim the rewards you offer, I'd gladly take on many dangers. Look what I did for a handful of gems and coins in the Sultan's own palace. The Grand Vizier stroked his beard before speaking. As you say, if it is some additional motivation, I've had it reported that some ragtag urchin has attached himself to you. Know that it would be a trivial matter for me to have him snatched from the streets. He is very young to contemplate a life with his hands chopped off. Manu tried to shrug and winced as the pain daggered into his shoulders. The brat means nothing to me. Arshan smiled with arched eyebrows. Of course. He opened his tunic, revealing two rows of tiny glass vials of many colours. He leant over Manu so the thief could examine them closely. I've made a particularly deep study of poisons and without exaggeration, would call myself a master. See this green one? It was a formula such as this that killed the old sultan. It manifests itself as a disease that ravages the body and mind over several days before leading to death. The greatest doctors in the land cannot distinguish it from a plague. And you will use it on the new sultan? That had been my intent until you presented yourself. An unexplained and barbarous execution will carry far more resounding political shockwaves. I understand, Your Grace. Am I free to go? Almost. You must understand I require an assurance of your compliance that words alone will not provide. The Grand Vizier took out a red vial and unstoppered it. He held it to Manu's lips, whose nostrils flared at the bitter fumes. 
Drink this, or I will kill you now. Manu ran through his options, but came up with none. He opened his mouth, and the Grand Vizier poured the potion inside. The thief swallowed the bitter potion, then retched that burnt his throat, and the flames in his taut limbs flared up at his convulsion. The Grand Vizier leaned back with a thin smile of satisfaction. That was a special potion, one of my favourites. You will feel nothing today and nothing tomorrow. Then after some time, day by day, you will feel it slowing and stiffening you. Eventually, it will leave you dry and frozen, trapped within your own body. I once saw a strong man make it to the tenth day, although, given your strike frame, I expect you only have a week. You're out of options, idiot. Should never have gotten captured. Arshan patted Manu on the chest. Once you have completed my task, your first reward will be the antidote which only I know the secret to, this blue one here. The Grand Vizier spun the wheel loose and Manu heaved a great groan as his joints popped back into place. The shackles were loosened and he lay there, eyes closed as the worst of the pain ebbed away and his mind took control. Presently, he clenched and unclenched his fists, stretched his toes, then stiffly rolled onto one side and propped himself up on one arm. You'll send for me then? Before the wedding at the latest, that fool of a boy sultan cannot be allowed to go through with it. It would cause too much stability. Manu quirked an eyebrow at Arshon, but said silent. You now face the opportunity of very rapid advancement, a leap to a position of power that would be otherwise impossible for someone of your age. The instability on which I capitalise provides you with such a circumstance. Chaos and strife breed fear in the hearts of most men, a terror that keeps them from acting until it is too late. I think you and I are not so dissimilar. We both know how to snatch an opportunity from a trembling man's grasp. Manu pursed his lips. He had to agree. There was a kind of twisted logic to the Grand Vizier's plotting. At least the crazy man seemed to think they were kindred spirits for now, something Manu decided he would go to great lengths to support. And the jewel? What will become of her? I have not decided. Wars have been fought over lesser beauties, so her significance may still come to play out in another manner. He looked askew at the thief and licked his lips. Do I see another thread to the tale here? Is that why you visited her? Manu slid off the rack and stiffly stood up stretching carefully as nips of pain jabbed out 
from his joints and tendons. That is too rare a flower for me. Besides, I've had several girls since for just a quarter of what I stole from her. Like my wine, I prefer quantity over quality. The faster you finish one bottle, the sooner you get to taste another. Arshan wrinkled his nose, either expressing doubt or simply a dissatisfaction with the tale. Manu felt uneasy as he found that he could not tell which, but the Grand Vizier's attention drifted away. Guards? The blue-shirted brutes who had dragged Manu to the chamber appeared through the doorway. Expectant smiles on their faces melted away to saggy-cheeked scowls as they saw him grinning back at them. My guest is ready to depart. Remove his chains immediately. Escort him to the city and ensure he passes any gates without delay. Your Grace, doesn't the Sultan want him found? Do you expect me to repeat myself? Arshan had a finger pressed between the guard's eyes. The guard quickly looked away. Manu's collar and manacles were unlocked and dropped on the floor with their chains. The thief swept a low, if geriatically statical, bow to the Grand Vizier. Until I receive your command, Your Grace. Until then. The guards reached out to grab him. Then their hands fell confused as they looked at each other, unsure of the correct course of action. One felt emboldened and headed for the door. This way. Manu followed with the second guard bringing up the rear. They marched down the corridor stiffly, the lead one glancing back over his shoulder every few steps to check Manu hadn't fled and hidden himself, unbidden, somewhere around the castle. Each time he looked back, Manu gave him a grin or a nod of his head. The guards were growing red-faced and flustered, and he watched their spear grips tighten. Retracing their path, they passed through the vegetable garden and Manu saw the jewel waiting there. She ran over in short, breathless steps, her face flushing and unable to look him in the eye for more than a second before darting away to her shoes or her fidgeting fingers or to feign fascination one of the blooms on the bush beside them. Who are you, stranger? A common thief of no consequence, O radiant one. She giggled and so emboldened met his gaze more fully. Have you come to visit me again? Our last encounter was so brief. He caught himself watching her lips as they moved and he could feel colour rising in his own cheeks. What was this? Getting flustered in front of a woman? Not since he was fifteen. What was she doing to him? But those lips and those dark lashes and the scent of her. The rear guard coughed theatrically. The Grand Vizier wanted you escorted out. I don't think he had in mind social calls along the way. The thief plucked a flower from the bush and handed it to the jewel. 
she accepted it with trembling fingers as her cheeks burned. Until we meet again, lady, he winked at her and allowed the guards to lead him away and out of the palace. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Craft of Shadows podcast. More details at craftofshadows.com. Copyright 2020, Dewish Pathiti and Victor Publishing. Title music by Turku, Nomads of the Silk Road, at turkumusic.com.